here uh, this morning. I forgot it's the first Sunday of the month, and first Sunday of the month we do birthdays, and kind of what that looks like is if your birthday's in February, in a second I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I want you to tell us what you want from the Lord for your birthday. Does anybody have an example of a birthday prayer that's been answered that they would want to share? What you got, Nancy? What about it? You got one. Nancy asked for a house and she got one. Funded? Excellent. <laughs> Curly? Nice. Charlene? Excellent. Anybody else? Where? Excellent. And then? She got what? A car. Is that what she said? I'm deaf. Excellent. Amber? Excellent. So you get the feel, you get the idea for what these are. They don't have to be super spiritual blessings. It's just the things... Something that you want from the Lord that only He can give. Was there another hand back there that I missed? No. That only He can give. So if you're birth and if you're a guest, we want you to participate as well. If you're not comfortable sharing what you want, we would still ask you to stand and you can just say um, that you don't want to share and then we'll, uh, we'll gather around everybody and pray. So give us a five-second version, what you want for your birthday if it's in February. February birthdays. I know there are lots of you. Yes, we'll start right here with Jen. She was the one who reminded me. What you got? I'll go last. <laughs> what does that mean? Don't, don't tell me what that means. Do you want a baby now or not? Don't, uh, never mind. Let's just go next. That's going to be tricky. Time management, Jerry? Excellent. Liz? Um, physical healing, if I can pray. Nice. Nick? I would like to have more influence and boundaries. Good. Tom? Healing. Nice. Janet? Drew? Nice. What's Chrissy's? I see a head down next to you. Bill? Counseling physician, I can't see. Direction. Direction. It, not Kim, no Mike. Are you February? Nice. Alex? Nice. Susan? <laughs> Very nice. Mary Hannah? Um, okay. Nice. None of you guys are February? Okay, 
Very nice. Matthew? That's what you get for coming in late. School is what you want for your birthday? That's what you want God to give you. More school. Awesome. (laughs) Your family's back there. They'll be the ones praying for you. Maybe they can discern what that means. Y'all gather around these guys. I'm going to go in a minute. Mine is long. God, we thank you that you're a good father and that you say you uh, delight in giving good gifts to your children. And so we pray that you would do that in the lives of these men and women. God, we pray that you would move in their circumstances and that you would do so in a way that would draw attention to yourself. God, that you would be making a name, a testimony for yourself in their lives and uh, do that in such a way that people around them would take notice uh, of, of who you are, that they would see that you're a God who cares, that you're a God who acts, that you're a God who's able. God, I pray that you would move quickly in these situations and that you would exceed. You say you do more than we can ask or imagine, and I pray that that would be reality in the lives of all of these guys uh, who have made requests. God, we thank you for the way you have moved, just these brief testimonies we've heard today. God, you're so faithful uh, to act, and God, we bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's mine, and it's, um, I told y'all earlier... One of the problems about one of the, like my New Year's resolutions kind of become New Year's resolutions for the church. Kind of my birthday wish becomes a birthday wish uh, for the church as well. Right now we're trying to make what I think is probably the biggest decision we've made as an organization. We've made some people decisions that have been very important. People are more important than buildings. And, but in terms of an organization, this is the biggest decision we've ever made. And I'm not exactly sure uh, the best way forward. Y'all know we rent space, and we have the opportunity to get another space, the flower shop, which is next door to 164, which I'm certain we want. But there's some other things that are tied into that. Do we want to expand the sanctuary? We have some upstairs space we're trying to decide if it makes sense to keep or to let go of. There's renovation money involved. We're trying to sign a a 10-year lease. Our landlord only does three years, but she's willing to do 10 uh, with us, so that's that's good. And so there's, I'm not, I'm just I was telling the leadership group this morning, kind of the the prayer for me, um, Psalm I think it's 16 talks about your boundary lines falling in pleasant places, and I just want to know where our boundary lines are. And there's a command repeatedly in the Old Testament says you don't move your boundary stones, you keep them wherever God has laid them. And I just want to make sure physically. Uh, that we're doing that, and that we don't exceed whatever space he has for us, but that we also don't leave anything on the table that he has for us. So um, I'm going to 
pray, and I just want you all to pray with me. We just need some direction for that. So that's what I'm asking for is some clarity on that decision. So, Lord, we do thank you for the way you've established us here on the square, and you've been faithful every time we've needed to expand. There's been a place for us to expand every time we've needed money to renovate. You've provided for that. We've never, we've never even had to take out a loan, and that's, just, that's your goodness and your grace to us. And so, Lord, we want to continue uh, to be led by your Spirit, and we don't want to overreach. There may be more on the table than you have for us. God, we also don't want to shrink back in fear. And you may be saying, this, I have all of this for you, and so grab it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would um, speak to us as a body. We believe you speak to the body, through the body. And I pray that you would get us all on the same page on what it looks like for us to move forward. We do pray for the Groovers. Those are our landlords, God. We do pray for them, and we thank you for how gracious they've been to us. And we pray that you would continue to bless them and that we would continue to be a blessing to them. So God, I pray as we're kind of walking through these murky waters uh, that you would make it very plain and very clear to us uh, the way forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have questions about any of that stuff, you can um, see me or any of the, administ- I, think the I think they're all still meeting, uh, that Scott Williford, Brandon Hutchins, Peter Tompkins, or Matt Gordon, they're the, our leadership group, and they're talking through all of that stuff. If you have any questions or if you feel like The Lord put something in your heart on that. If you remember back this summer, we were looking at moving into a building, and I kind of put it out there, and it became very plain in just a matter of weeks that that was not the thing for us. So I'm I'm hoping that this will be the same. Okay, uh, two announcements. You can turn to Matthew 9, and as you're getting there, I'll share these two things with you. We have our mission fundraiser dinner on Tuesday. That's the only mission fundraiser that we do. That's for all of our Stonebridge people who go on short-term trips in 2013. We have seven or eight trips, and rather than nickel and, and diming y'all over the course of the whole year, we do a one-time fundraiser, and I'd encourage y'all to come. It's from 5.30 to 7.30. It's a come-and-go deal. We'll have food. There's a silent auction if you want to bid on any of those items. 100% of the money goes to Stonebridge short-term uh, missionaries, and so I'd encourage you to be asking the Lord how he would have you give. If you can't come, we'll take your check anyway, and you can um, just get that put it in the bucket and just write missions on it or get it to me or Kim, and we'll make sure that it gets put uh, where it needs to go. Um, Also, we have a a short-term small group that's starting. I wanted to share a little bit about it with you. It's uh, kind of a delicate subject. It's beginning on February 11th, and it's for the three weeks following that um, from 7 to 8.30 up the street and 164. It's for women who've experienced miscarriages or stillbirths, and so it's going to be, it's even a smaller than a small group. You'll be in groups of probably three people. It's a connecting, kind of caring for group, and so if that's something that you're still carrying as a woman, I know oftentimes you you don't even tell anyone. You know, if you miscarry in that first trimester, you probably haven't even told anyone you're pregnant, and you just kind of go along your way. Um, We want to make sure that you feel loved and loved on and supported. Katie Carroll is the one who's pulling that together. Uh, You're not going to have to stand up in front and tell your story and compare notes. That's not what this is at all. It's an opportunity in a very, very small environment, groups of two, three, and four people for you just to connect with another woman who's experienced something similar to you and uh, allow God to bring healing to your, uh, each of your lives through one another. So you can see Katie Carroll if you know her through that. If not, you can see Kim and she can help point you 
in the right direction. Okay, Matthew 9, just a little context. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this is what it looks like to live uh, in the kingdom of God or under the rule and reign of God. Remember, kingdom of God is his rule or his reign. It's not a place. Matthew 8 and 9 is full of miracles. That's a demonstration of what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. When the kingdom comes, then sickness is overcome. Sin is overcome. Satan is overcome. That's what all of those miracles are, and they're confirming what Jesus has said. The things that he, that he said are radical, and then he kind of proves it, in a sense, with these miracles. Things shift in Matthew 10, where Jesus then sends out the disciples to say and do the things that he has been saying and doing. So we're going to pick up in verse 35 of Matthew 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. As the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called the twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or, any, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for your journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on, that, on the day of judgment than for that town. So it's pretty straightforward, I think, what's going on there, just to make sure we're all on the same page. So Jesus uh, realizes that the need is greater than he can meet. He's just one man, and he can't be what everybody needs him to be. He can't physically connect with all of the people who he is encountering. And so what he does is he uh, sends out the 12 disciples. These are guys who he's already had with him, and now he commissions them. He gives them authority. Remember, that's permission to act. He gives them the permission to preach the same message. He preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what they preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He gives them authority to preach the same message that he preached, and then he gives them authority to do the same things he's been doing, to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and drive out demons and raise the dead. The, the things that we've seen that Jesus does in Matthew 8 and 9, he now gives the 12 disciples authority to do that as well. Then he, tell, he, then he gives them some very specific instructions. He says, I want you to go here that for us, that is no longer valid. He says, I want you to just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, we live on the other side of the Great Commission where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So that little section on where to go doesn't apply to us anymore. But it does speak to how specific Jesus was. I want you to go to these people, 
this is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to do. I don't want you to bring any, you don't need to bring any money. You will rely on the hospitality of the people who you are um, going to visit. And, and this, these are the people I want you to connect with. I want you to look for people who are open to this message. You don't need to try to convince anybody of anything. You share with them this message that I've given to you. Do these things that I've commissioned you to do. People who are willing to accept it, then you connect with them. They'll bring you into their home. They'll take care of your physical needs as you're taking care of their spiritual needs. And then you move on to the next town. So that's really what's going on there. Again, pretty straightforward. I think for us, it's maybe simple to say, well, I can see why for Josh and Mandy this matters because they're about to go out to Turkey, and so here, God is telling them, here's what I want you to do. But for us, most of us, the overwhelming majority of us, are never going to go long-term overseas. So does this have anything to say to us? Is, is Jesus saying, hey, I want you all to pair up, and me and J.D. start going door-to-door and knocking on doors and, and sharing this message? I would say no, not at all where we live. Y'all see the guys when they come on bikes and they knock on your doors, what do you do? You duck. Rock, paper, scissors to see who has to answer the door. The Jehovah's Witnesses, when they come, same thing, right? Did they see us in the window? We live across the street from Bo, the worship leader, and it's interesting when I answer the door and those guys come and I just crack it and say, we're busy, and Bo has this long conversation with them. Nice, not nice. So it's, uh, that's not where we live anymore. You don't go door to, I'm not saying you can't, in general. That's not, that's not there's, there's no opening, there's no, metaphorically, there's no open doors for you. And sometimes literally, there's no open doors for you if you're doing that. People don't necessarily look for strangers to come and knock on their door and speak to them about deep spiritual truth. That's not necessarily where we live. But I think there is something here about being sent that we do need to grab onto. Um, just like God is sending Josh and Mandy to Turkey, he, he has a, a calling on each of our life. He has a desire to send each of us somewhere. For most of us, it's going to be right here in Cobb County. There are places every day where we're actually sent. It's not a matter necessarily of shifting uh, from one place geographically to another. It's a matter of opening our eyes and recognizing the places where God has already sent us, the places where we go to work and where our kids are in school and the people who we connect with playing softball or whatever it is that we do. That, that, those are the places that God is sending us. And I think there's something here for us in terms of an outline for how we need to approach. The first thing you'll see, Jesus recognizes a need. What does it say? He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. That word compassion it's one of the few kind of Greek words that kind of grabs me. It's splotnitsomai. It sounds like your intestines. And that's, that's what it means. It means to be moved deep down inside. It's not, oh, bless his heart, bless her heart. It's much more significant than that. Every time in the Gospels you see that word, and it says Jesus felt that, he always did something. He never felt compassion and then moved on. He, when he felt compassion, he always met whatever that need happened to be. And so one of my questions for you this morning is, what moves you at that deep of a level? We talk all the time about trying to figure out what's our deal. What are the good works that God has called us to do? What's his calling on our life? What's his will for our life? That's, those are all synonymous terms. 
And when you think one of the ways to get at that is what moves you on this deep level. I'm picking on Josh and Mandy. Turkey, the unreached people in Turkey, they have, they splotnitsomide. That's how Josh and Mandy feel about those folks. I don't feel that way about them. They're, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not moving to Turkey. And they are. They got moved at that deep level the needs of these people, and it's motivated and prompted them to sell everything they have and get on a plane and move to the Middle East. For some of you, it's, it's, there are other things that cause that deep stirring in you. There are issues of injustice, and for you, it, it burns you on the inside, and it moves you to act. For other, it's seeing broken families, or it's some level of, I don't know what it may be, people not living up to their potential, or seeing people who are bound, who God wants to set free, or Whatever those things are, if you can grab onto that, that, that will give you, that'll take you a long way in discerning where God is sending you. First is, where do you feel that deep sense of compassion, recognizing that not everybody does. We can all mentally agree, yes, that's wrong or that needs to change. But it's different when you feel it down deep and it motivates you to act. Second thing is, he, Jesus prayed. That was his initial response to the need. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. Some of us are jump-in first people. We see a need, we're action-oriented, and our first response is we need to do something about it. And that's okay if the thing you want to do about it first is pray. we got to begin there. We don't want to be people who kind of get moving, get active, get working, and then kind of, by the way, God, can you bless all the stuff that I've done? We want to give him an opportunity from the beginning to let us, and we want to give him the first word on what we're doing. The best intentions, if they're done in your flesh, all you can hope for are good fleshly things, which ultimately are not good for anybody. There's no lasting value to that. Eternal things can't come from our our flesh, which is temporary, which is fading away. What we need to do is pray, which is asking God to get involved. That brings all of his resources to bear on whatever this situation is. Again, picking on Josh and Mandy. They can go to Turkey with the best of intentions and say, here's our plan and we're going to change the country and here's how we're going to do it. And they can be full of passion and zeal. If they don't pray, then all they've got is their winning personality and their beautiful smiles and their hard work, which is wonderful, but it won't produce eternal fruit. I think it was Oswald Chambers who said, It was Eugene Peterson. He said, you can't do Jesus' work in a non-Jesus way. And his way is to first ask the Father to get involved. That releases the resources of heaven into whatever that situation is. So recognize a need. Where do you feel that deep sense of compassion? What stirs you to action? Not to pity, but to truly say, something needs to change here, and I'm willing to get involved. And then you pray and say, God, what would you have me do? Jesus' response, we see it and it makes complete sense. At the time, it's counterintuitive. His disciples are a bit bumbling at this moment in history. All of these sheep, these people are harassed and helpless. And what we would think, I think, is Jesus, well, you need to make a schedule. Here's the itinerary. You've got to figure out how to hit all of these cities. We need to figure out how to maximize your exposure to these people. And what he does instead is send out 12 guys who most likely at this point are just teenagers, late teenagers, 18, 19, 20 years old, and he sends them out in his name 
to do pretty significant things, and he doesn't go with them. That's a counter to me. That's a counterintuitive strategy. That's what. That's why we pray. Sometimes God has a different way of accomplishing things. When we look at the second half of this chapter next week, the bridge verse is this idea: be shrewd as serpents and innocent as as doves. And there's a God knows how to navigate through situations that we don't know how to navigate through. There think he. He can see around the corner. He can level mountains. He can fill in valleys. And if we ask him, then he can give us some insight into those kinds of things. So what moves you with compassion? Second question is, are, are you, did you pray? Have you asked the Lord to get involved? And then the third thing is, yes, it's time to act. There's, a, there's an action. There's an obedience. There's a response. Jesus calls us 12. He gives them authority. And then he sends them out. And they actually go and do what he has said. It's... Um, We need both of those pieces. That's James, kind of the faith and works thing need to go together. There's prayer and there's response to prayer. Most likely, if you've been stirred to the point that you're praying about something, I would say the overwhelming majority of the time, God wants to use you as an answer to your own prayer. And so as you're praying, God, this needs to change or this is not good. Most likely, he's going to use you as a channel of his grace into that situation. He's going to use you as somebody to connect with that person or with those people. There's a, there's a following up. This, don't stone me. This isn't blasphemous. But oftentimes I feel like God doesn't answer prayer because we're not available. He answers through us most of the time. Read through the scriptures. Rarely does God act independent of his people. He almost always acts through the body. And if we're unavailable to him, if we're not willing to actually be moved to action, then prayers that he has every desire and intention to fulfill in a lot of ways go unanswered. And it's not on him. It's because we've been unwilling to step out. And that's not a guilt thing. That's just a recognition. If God has, if, if you're being stirred at that deep level, if you have this, if this splagnitzomai, if that's how you're feeling about a situation, it's, that's because God wants to move you to action. But recognize that he's going, to, he's going to equip you. He's going to empower you. He's going to give you the authority that you need to step into that situation. Jesus gave the disciples authority before he gave them their commission. Before he said, here are the instructions for what you need to do. Before I give you the tactics, I'm going to give you the power. Acts 1.8, when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he says, just wait. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power. And then you'll be my witnesses. And then here are the places you're going to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The tactics come second. The first thing is to be empowered, to be given the authority to do the work. And so as you're thinking through this idea of action, don't allow that to scare you when you think, I'm, I, mm, I'm not the guy for that. I can't handle that. It's too much for me. I don't know what to do. Recognize he's going to empower you with his spirit to do any of these things that he calls you to. Then the last thing is you look for green lights. There is no place where God is not already at work. The darkest parts of Turkey, God's already at work there. In that sense, we don't bring Jesus anywhere. He's already active. God loves everybody more than we love anybody. And so he's already working in the hearts of minds of men and women all across the world. And he's working in situations that to us are just dark, dark, dark. 
He's already seen it, and he's at work, and part of the work is him stirring you to act. And so what we want to do is begin to look for where's, where, where, where do I see the Lord in this? Where, where's his act, where, where do I see his fingerprints? What's the activity that lets me, this is where God is working, and I'm going to cooperate with him on this side of things. That's why that prayer piece is so important. It'll give you eyes to see where God's at work, and so you can get on board with him, which is a lot easier than banging your head against a wall, trying to do something on your own. There's this phrase in here that probably sums up this entire section. Jesus says to the disciples, freely you have received, so freely give. That's a different way of looking at all of these things. What have you received from the Lord? I'm not talking about if you're married, you say, well, God's given me my husband, or I've been given these children. You can't give those things away. You may want to at times. You can't give those. What has he given you that you can then, that he, and he's given it to you, yes, for you. And he's also given it to you for me. So what has he given to you that you in turn need to give away? And to whom is he asking you to give those things away to? Some of you have been given wisdom. You just know what to do. You might not have all the book smarts in the world, but when it comes to knowing what to do in a situation, you've got it. That's a gift that God has given you. How does he want you to give that away to others? You might not necessarily be able to, you can't give them this gift of wisdom, but you can share your wisdom with others. Who are the people in your life who need to know what to do? And then you begin to ask him, what does it look like so I don't come in and act like I'm a know-it-all and trying to tell people this is, this is how you should live. That's why the prayer piece is, is important. Then you start looking, God, where's the, where are the openings in this conversation where I could share these things that you've given to me? When is the light red and when is it yellow and when is it green? And give me the, I, I need to know the difference between those things. And I need the words. I'm nervous about this conversation with this person. They've been an authority over me or they're my parents or they, I, they can get angry or they don't take input well or whatever. It makes me nervous to share. And so I need you to fill me with your spirit, to give me the, con- the confidence and the courage and the boldness to share with them the things that you've given to me. That's just one example. Some of you have been given wisdom. There are other things that you've been given. And if I were to push, I hope all of you could list at least a handful of things that you feel like God has given to you during your time with him. Again, kind of internal things that he's given to you. And you begin to ask the Lord, how do I give away these things freely, these things that I freely receive? And again, who do you want me to give those things away to? When we start talking about doing your deal, for some of you, you check out because I don't know what it is. Put that over here for a minute. It's another way of looking at the, uh, the same question. What has God given to you? Again, I think all of you could, could list a couple of things. What does it look like for you to begin to give those things away in the places where God has sent you and where the place where, where he is sending you? And you don't need to think about adding new places, I don't think. He'll make that plain. Look at the places where you already are being sent. Where do you circulate on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? Those are the places where God is sending you. That is your harvest field. And he's sending you out there to work that field. And as a word of encouragement, recognize it's ripe. He's already at work in the hearts and the minds of the people in that field. 
He's already at work in those circumstances. He's just looking for more workers, and you're one of them, and I am as well. Let's pray. God, I do thank you that you, um, that you send us, that you love us, value us, trust us enough to include us as a vital part in what you're doing in our community. Sometimes I think, why didn't you just do it all yourself? It would have been better, and I think it would have been easier. But for whatever reason, you've chosen to work through us. You've chosen to send us. And so, God, we want to say with Isaiah... Here I am, send me. Send me to that school down the street. Send me to that office building. Send me to that job site. Send me across the street to my neighbor's house. Send me to the PTA meeting. Send me to rec league, soccer, wherever it is, God. Whatever the, the fields are that we're currently working in, I pray that we would, you would give us new eyes, that we would begin to see them all as harvest fields. And we begin to recognize that there are, there are ripe, there's ripe fruit there. Because you're already at work in each of those places. You're constantly drawing men and women and boys and girls to yourself. And God, we want to participate in whatever way we can in seeing those people come home. And not just checking a box that says they're a Christian, but, but finding full life in you. Experiencing healing and wholeness and freedom and calling and all of the purpose all of the things relationship and joy and peace and all of the gifts that you desire to give so Lord I pray as we take a few minutes just to close in worship that you begin to speak to us God for those of us who would say I'm not splot nitsomied by anything nothing moves me to compassion Lord I pray that you would begin to stir in us deeply not out of any sense of guilt or obligation but God you would begin to do a deep work in us revealing to us what, where are you calling us to work and God for those of us who already know we've already been moved by compassion it's just a matter of actually walking into that Lord I pray that you would equip and that you would empower that you would anoint us as workers, God. We don't want to go out in our flesh, but in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll have ministry teams up here in the corners. We'd love to pray uh, for y'all with about anything that's going on in your life. I would say particularly